Welcome to NGA Notable Lectures, a podcast offering a deeper understanding of all things artistic. Captain Linnaeus Tripe was a British photographer best known for the outstanding body of work he produced in India and Burma, now Myanmar, in the 1850s. Under the auspices of the East India Company, he took many photographs of archaeological sites and monuments, ancient and contemporary religious and secular buildings, as well as geological formations and landscape vistas that had not been seen before in the West. His military training gave his work a striking aesthetic and formal rigor and helped him achieve remarkably consistent results, despite the challenges that India's heat and humidity posed to photographic chemistry. In this lecture, recorded on September 28, 2014, curator Sarah Greeno discusses the 60 works that comprise the first major exhibition of his photographs, Captain Linnaeus Tripe, Photographer of India and Burma, 1852-1860, on view from September 21, 2014 to January 2, 2015 at the National Gallery of Art. The exhibition had its genesis several years ago. Um, In 2009, we opened an exhibition called Impressed by Light, British Photographs from Paper Negatives, 1840 to 1860. Um, This was a show that was organized um, by me, uh, Malcolm Daniel, who was then curator of photography at the Metropolitan Museum in New York and is now um, at the Museum of Fine Arts in Houston, and Roger Taylor, who is now a professor emeritus um, at De Montfort University um, in England. And the three of us, um, as we worked on this exhibition, Impressed by Light, Whenever we would see Tripe's photographs, um, we would always just be amazed by them, um, impressed by their power, um, often their formal strength. Um, But we also knew that they depicted an area that was rich um, in history, um, but a history that was often a a quite fraught one, and and one that was perhaps not as well known to Americans um, as it should should be. Um, And so we determined at that point um, that we wanted to organize um, an exhibition on tripe. If you've never heard of tripe before, um, don't feel badly. Um, Even people with very good knowledge of 19th century art, 19th century photography, um, are not um, very familiar with, with his work. Tripe was a captain in the British Army, um, and he became an official photographer for the government during a transitional time in the history of Great Britain, India, Burma, and photography. He was born in 1822 in Devonport, England, the ninth child and sixth son of upper-middle-class parents. Um, His parents had a total of 12 children um, who had um, such names as um, Algernon, um, and the seventh child was Septimus. Um, And Tripe was apparently also had the nickname of Linny. Um, So uh, his parents, despite having 12 children, um, seemed to have had um, a good sense of humor. Uh, But like so many others of his social standing um, who were not destined to inherit their family's wealth or property, he joined the East India Company in 1839. And when he arrived in India um, later that year, he found a country and a people 
almost entirely under British rule. During the 18th century, the East India Company had annexed large portions of India and Burma by forming alliances with local leaders and by subduing indigenous populations and and rival European nations, often through violent conflicts. Um, And in the process, though, it transformed itself from a highly lucrative trading entity into the effective sovereign of the country. But by the early 19th century, as the East India Company turned from conqueror to ruler, the gathering of information became a critical element in maintaining its power for greater knowledge about India and Burma's cultural and religious heritage would enable it to govern more effectively. To this end, the leadership of the East India Company encouraged their officers and civil servants who worked for them to learn native languages in schools that they set up both in India um, and back home in the United Kingdom. And at these schools, um, these officers and civil servants were taught how to survey, but also how to draw, how to make maps, in order to accumulate the vast amounts of visual information that were necessary for government. In addition, the East India Company promoted learned societies um, where individuals could share um, this newly gathered information with fellow officers, um, both in India and others um, back in Great Britain. These new scholars were hybrid types. They were the gentleman amateur scholar, the gentleman amateur archaeologist, the gentleman amateur painter or draftsman. And they sought to study India's past in its architecture and archaeology through direct observation and analysis. On their own initiative or or, or company missions, they surveyed, mapped, measured, painted, sketched, and by the middle of the 19th century, they began to photograph India and Burma's cities and buildings, its monuments and architectural sites, as well as the people, terra, flora, and fauna. Their work provided essential information for military operations, government administration and planning and construction, and the growing study of Asian art, religion, and history. While some of their sketches and maps languished in government offices or personal collections in India and Great Britain, others were published in the popular press back home in England, and they became a way of making this foreign land more real and familiar. This was the environment that nurtured and challenged the young tripe when he immersed himself in the life of the young officer gentleman in India in the 1840s. And it was the world that readily welcomed his newly acquired skills once he learned how to photograph when he was back home on a leave um, in England in the early 1850s. His pictures of archaeological sites and monuments, ancient and contemporary religious and secular buildings, as well as roads, bridges, moats, and geological formations taken in Mysore, Burma, and India, along with the portfolios that he published of them, were part of this larger quest to gain greater knowledge of Indian and Burmese culture. 
They were often the first photographs ever taken of these places, and thus they provided a completely different kind of visual information than anything made before. Very helpful for government agencies and historians. Yet the care with which Tripe conceived these large, technically complex photographs, the dynamic vision he brought to their compositions, his innovative exploration of camera operation and the lavish attention he paid to the execution of his prints indicate that his aims were not merely documentary but artistic. Now, I said in the beginning that Tripe left for India in 1839. He returned to England on a home leave in 1851, and we should think a little bit about the significance of those dates. 1839 was the year that the process of photography was announced to a startled world. Both in Paris and in England, um, uh, uh, Louis um, Jacques Monde de Guerre and William Henry Fox Talbot, um, early in 1839, announced that they had achieved a way of fixing the image of nature that could be seen in a camera obscura. But when Tripe left for India in 1839, he had not seen any photographs. While news of the inventions um, startled people around the world, it took a while for actual photographs to get out into the world. And probably for the whole time that he was in, in, in India, from 1839 to 1851, he didn't see any photographs either. Photography came quite late to, to India. Um, it just began to get to India in the, mid to la in the late 1840s, early 1850s. Tripe probably saw his first photographs when he got back to England in 1851, and most likely he saw them at the Great Exhibition, also known as the Crystal Palace Exhibition in London. This was one of the first of a series of international world's fairs that was designed to highlight the arts, industry, and culture from around the world. But photography was a particularly important component of that, and photographs from America, from France, and England um, were exhibited there. And Tripe probably first saw photographs there at the Great uh, uh, at the Crystal Palace exhibition. Soon thereafter, he joined a newly formed photographic society in London, where he began to learn how to make photographs from its members. But almost immediately, Tripe distinguished himself from the other members. Uh, of the Photographic Society, who were largely gentlemen amateur photographers. Most amateurs, most beginning photographers, when they start to learn the process of photography, even at that point, would buy a relatively small camera. It was easier to operate, it was easier to make the negatives for it, easier to make, um, to, to make the prints. Tripe bought an exceptionally large camera. <laughs> he bought one that made negatives 12 by 15 inches, much like the camera that you see here. Because there was no practical way of enlarging photographs at that time, if you wanted a large print, you had to have um, a large camera. But Tripe's ambition um, and his differences from the other members of the Photographic Society came to the fore not only in the size of, of his um, camera and negatives, but also in the subjects that he chose to photograph. 
Other members of the Photographic Society um, preferred picturesque studies, um, landscape views, um, or genre studies um, such as these. Immediately, Tripe shows um, his ambition to make pictures that would be of use to the military. This is one of his very first photographs made in his hometown of Devonport, um, and it shows um, a group of men um, in front of a, a piles of cannon shot. Um, this was just at the time when Great Britain was preparing to go to war in the Crimea against Russia. Um, and all of England's ports and its navy um, was getting ready um, for this uh, military operation, this naval operation. The men here are cleaning off the cannonballs. Um, these cannonballs had once been on ships, and while they were out at sea, the salt air would corrode their surfaces. So before they could be shot again, each cannonball had to be cleaned off by hand. So you can see that this man here um, has cleaned these few down here uh, at his feet and has these huge stacks behind him of work um, yet, yet to be done. In addition, another one of Tripe's early pictures there we go, um, is of um, uh, the Plymouth uh, Breakwater um, uh, built um, in, near his hometown of Devonport. This was a breakwater um, that was the largest, most ambitious marine engineering project of its time. It was a mile long. It was composed of four million tons of bricks and stones, and it took 38 years to, um, uh, to complete. But when it was finished, it would allow um, over 40 large naval ships um, to safely moor um, in, its, uh, in its shelter. And another one of Tripe's very early pictures again shows this sort of strong ambition and striking compositions that he would have from the very beginning of his work. Um, this is a picture that he took while standing clearly um, on the quarter deck of the um, HMS Impregnable. Um, he may have made this um, photograph because on May 12, 1853, a sailor was hung from the yard arm um, <clears throat> who had been um, found guilty uh, of striking a superior officer while drunk on parade. It was a controversial sentence um, at, the, at the time, thought to be um, rather severe considering the nature of his, um, of his crime, and it may have inspired Tripe um, to make this picture. But you can see, once again, how he's using the structure of the ship, um, the, um, the mast um, and the boom coming across here to create this very bold, um, dynamic composition. Tripe returned to India in 1854 um, and went back to his unit, the 12th Madras um, Infantry, which was stationed in, um, in Bangalore. And in December of that year, he and another member of his regiment, the surgeon, uh, Dr. Andrew Neal, on their own initiative, um, traveled to the nearby kingdom of Mysore. Mysore is actually now a, a region in India, but at that point it was, um, it was a separate uh, kingdom. Um, and they wanted simply to photograph uh, the ruins uh, at, um, at Halabidi um, and other areas um, in um, in Mysore. 
It was a privately financed trip, um, but nevertheless, with Tripe's perspective um, as a military surveyor, he aimed to present as much information um, about um, the monuments that he photographed um, as comprehensively and as unambiguously as possible. During this trip, he made over 100 photographs, which was a large undertaking for the time. Most Almost all of Tripe's photographs, almost all of the works that are in the exhibition, were made from paper negatives. I said in the beginning that, that Tripe worked during a transitional time, not only in, uh, in the history of Great Britain and India and Burma, but also in the history um, of photography. Although photography had been announced in 1839, during the 1840s, um, improvements to the process came uh, very slowly. Um, Talbot actually had patented his process, which inhibited people from improving it. And it wasn't until the early 1850s uh, that the medium was dramatically changed. During this decade, one new method of making negatives and prints was invented after another, and they followed one in an almost dizzying succession. Paper negatives gave way to ones that were made on wax paper um, and then to ones that were made on glass coated with collodion, uh, which gave greater clarity and detail. Salted paper prints, which was the process that Talbot had invented um, and which favored a very um, evocative massing of light and shadow, uh, were slowly replaced by albumin prints, which were sharper and glossier. Um, as an immensely practical um, and pragmatic man, Tripe mixed old and new. He used paper negatives, most likely because that was more forgiving in India's heat and humidity. And unlike collodion, he could make his negatives and develop them at his leisure. With collodion, which is gun cotton dissolved um, <clears throat> in ether, the collodion had to be poured onto the glass plate um, that held it immediately before exposure and then developed soon thereafter. So that it meant if the photographer was traveling around, he not only had to carry glass plates on which to make his negatives, which were, of course, fragile and easily broken, um, but also a dark room in which he could sensitize the plate and then develop it um, uh, afterwards. So, so collodion, particularly for a photographer who was traveling around, was a rather um, cumbersome process. Tripe, though, also used um, the more newly invented albumin process of making uh, prints, not, salted, not the salter paper process invented by Talbot. Um, albumin uses um, egg whites in order to bind the light-sensitive um, solution to the paper. Um, and then he would tone his prints uh, with gold to achieve a distinct tonality and greater permanence. But because Tripe's prints, albumin prints, are handmade, um, they are quite different from albumin prints that were made later on in the um, 1860s and 1870s that were made on commercially manufactured paper that have a very shiny, slick, glossy um, surface. And indeed, the last room in the exhibition for the those of you who are interested, is devoted to um, giving more details both about Tripe's own process um, and this evolution that was occurring at the time um, in the, the process um, of photography. 
Tripe exhibited his photographs um, from the Mysore expedition um, in Madras in 1855, and they were highly praised um, at that time. And they came to the attention of the directors of the East India Company and also um, the Lord Governor General um, of India, Lord Dalhousie. If nothing else, this is an exhibition with great names, Linnaeus Tripe, Lord Dalhousie, um, uh, Algernon. Um, and Dalhousie um, appointed Tripe um, to go on a mission to Burma, which was also at that time called, um, uh, called Ava. Um, those of you who know this area well, are from there, have traveled there, will immediately recognize that um, we are using the 19th century place names for, for all of these um, locations. These were the names that Tripe and his um, uh, companion used, companions used when they were referring to those places. They are how Tripe um, titled um, his, uh, his photographs as well. But we have in the exhibition in the catalog um, both maps which give both 19th and um, 21st place names um, for all of the locations where, where, Tripe, uh, where Tripe photographed. Um, Lord Dalhousie wanted to, um, uh, to embark on this mission or, or wanted this mission um, to Burma to occur um, because the Second Anglo-Burmese War had recently ended um, in 1854, and he wanted to gain more information, particularly about Upper, Bur Upper Burma, which was not well known um, at the time. And he wanted to gather military intelligence, including information about local religious beliefs, topography, um, and mineral resources. He also appointed um, a visual artist uh, uh, to accompany the mission, Colesworthy Grant, another great name. Um, and if we compare the, um, the views that both Colesworthy Grant and Tripe took of the same locations, and they did often record exactly the same um, views, we can see some very interesting similarities, but also differences between the two. I mean, they both positioned themselves um, in roughly the same area, um, looking up um, at the pagoda and its, um, and its adjacent um, monastery. But of course, Tripe's photograph is monochromatic. Color was not possible um, at this time. It also doesn't have any people in it. Um, people moved too quickly, unless they were absolutely stationary, uh, to, be, uh, to be recorded uh, by Tripe. Uh, but it's also, I think, if you look at it carefully, you could say that it's probably more objective, um, straightforward, and straightforward, um, while Colesworthy Grant's watercolor is slightly more subjective, more colorful. He's added the carts to enliven the scene um, in a way that photography um, never could. But of course, photography, particularly at this time, um, still was conceived of being um, something that was intimately related to truth. If you photographed it, it actually existed. That's what this place really looked like, um, so people thought um, at the time. Um, the mission to Burma um, went to Pagam Mio, now 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 referred to now known as um, Pagam, which was a site that had been celebrated by earlier European travelers. It was a, is um, still um, a magnificent site of vast scale, including hundreds of temples, monuments, 
uh, and, and pagodas. Even though Tripe um, and other members of the mission had read about um, Pagamia before they went there, um, nothing compared them um, for, uh, for its reality. Um, the n number of temples, um, the, the vistas that they saw as they approached Pagamigo um, spoke of both the antiquity but also the sophistication of Burmese civilization dating back to the, to the very first um, century. Tripe and the mission, this, the mission to Burma um, was granted unprivileged access um, to this area, allowed to roll, roam through freely, which was not something that other European travelers um, had been allowed um, to do. And we see from the very beginning the approach that Tripe um, would set up, working almost like what we would have um, thought of as the as the, the tradition, the method of a, a 20th century documentary film maker. Tripe first establishes these um, sort of uh, 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 scenes from afar, a sort of establishing shot, um, and then he would move in closer and closer um, to the the buildings that he was photographing, um, depicting them from various um, viewpoints um, and varying uh, distances. Um, he created a very systematic visual record um, of, uh, of the area. As you go through the exhibition, um, despite the fact that I said that um, uh, at the time people considered a photograph a, a, a sort of a statement of fact, something that was unquestionably true, um, you should be aware um, of the extensive retouching that Tripe has done to his photographs. None of the clouds that you see in Tripe's photographs are real. They have all been painted in by hand. Photographic chemistry at that time was overly sensitive to the blue light in skies, um, so that when a negative um, recorded it, it would just become all blotchy um, once it was um, on the, the final print. Many photographers in the 19th century compensated for this um, as as um, you can see here in this work um, by Dr. John Murray, another photographer who was working um, in uh, northwestern India at the time. He compensated for the sort of splotchy nature that would occur um, in the sky by taking pigment and, and painting over very heavily in the sky so that when that was printed, that would print as a clear blank white. Um, here you can also see that Murray um, has painted a, a yellow wash on the lake so that it would come out as a more translucent color um, in, in the final print. But few photographers in the 19th century um, retouched their negatives as extensively and, and dexterously as Tripe did. All of this area that you see up here, this is all Tripe very laboriously painting a very dry pigment onto the paper in layer after layer, and he allowed the fibers of the paper to sort of pick up the pigment um, in a slightly random way in order to give um, a more realistic um, interpretation of what the clouds would look like. Um, of course, remember you're looking at a negative here, so it's the reverse of the positive print over there. But these clouds are all the hand-painted clouds that then come out in the final print um, looking, um, looking like that. 
In addition, um, Tripe realized that um, photographic emulsions of the time did not um, uh, expose reds and greens very well. They were often underexposed so that trees um, uh, and bushes and branches in particular would get very unarticulated in, in the final print. So Tripe would study the example of drawing masters and others for how to delineate um, brush, um, leaves, foliage. Um, and for many of his negatives, um, he went back into them and delicately painted on them um, what in the final print would end up looking like the leaves um, on a tree, or he would paint the branches um, darker so that, um, so that they would have um, more three-dimensionality um, in the final print. So the negative for tripe was truly just a starting point, um, and the final print um, would often look very, very different um, from the way the original uh, negative had looked. Tripe um, and sorry, the mission um, to Burma, to Ava, um, continued up the Irrawaddy River um, to the royal city of Amarapura. That was their primary uh, destination. King Minden, um, who was uh, the king of Burma at the time, gave the mission unprecedented freedom to travel throughout the city um, and sketch, survey, map, and measure, and photograph it. Paradoxically, um, this hospitality that he provided to the British um, also gave them invaluable military information should they ever find themselves um, facing the Burmese um, in war uh, in the future. Um, King Minden also went to considerable expense to get ready for um, the British mission. He built them this residency, which we see here, which was separated from the city of Amarapura um, by what one of Tripe's um, colleagues called this interminably long teak bridge. Um, the residency is back over here, um, and the bridge connected it to the, uh, the city of Amarapura. You can see that oops, here in this, um, in this photograph, Tripe has posed two figures here in the middle ground in order to give a sense um, of the scale of this building. Many of the places that Tripe photographed no longer um, exist, particularly those in Amarapura, um, because a few years later, King Minden, um, realizing the vulnerability um, of the city, moved the capital city to, to nearby Mandalay, and many of the, the structures, the buildings were moved as well. Um, but this bridge um, does um, still, uh, still exist and um, still can be uh, visited uh, today. Once the British crossed um, the bridge, they encountered this colossal statue um, of um, Gautama, um, who was um, uh, the most popular Burmese form um, of the historical uh, uh, Buddha. When, when Tripe finished all of his work um, on um, the, the Burma mission, when they got back, when he got back to Bangalore, um, he published a portfolio of, um, of his photographs, and he sequenced the portfolio as if he was taking Lord Dalhousie, the Governor General of India, plus the directors of the East India Company, 
on a tour um, throughout Amarapura. So he started with the residency view and then the view of the Teak Bridge um, and then um, this view um, of the um, colossal statue um, as if he was leading them around the city of Amarapura. Um, sorry. There we go. Um, until they got to the South Ditch, which was separating um, uh, uh, the, the um, capital city, um, uh, protecting it, or supposedly um, protecting it. This is the um, city wall um, of Amarapura. Um, and you can see here Tripe, with his um, sort of surveyor's perspective, um, has clearly intended this photograph um, to provide information um, both about the length of the wall itself um, but also, um, also it's rather um, low uh, height. But in the process, because he has this eye of a surveyor, um, he often does create these extremely strong, um, bold, um, formal uh, uh, compositions. The mission spent six weeks in Amarapura um, uh, meeting with officials, but also um, studying um, the city, mapping um, and measuring it. And then they traveled back down the Irrawaddy River um, to Rangoon, where they spent um, some more time there before uh, heading back to India. If one looks at this picture um, and doesn't pay too much attention to um, the, the background, um, it seems almost as if Tripe is, is creating a picturesque landscape, much like the kinds of photographs that might have been made by his fellow members of the Photographic Society uh, in, in London. And yet, um, we can't help, of course, but see um, the Chute Dagon Pagoda there um, in, uh, in the distance, which was a preeminent sacred site for um, Burmese Buddhists. Tripe's pictures, as you go through the exhibition, you'll see that we've included quite a few um, labels with many of the photographs in order to explain the layered history um, of, um, of many of these places. For the British, this was a place of key battles in the wars against um, the Burmese um, in 1822 to 1826, and then again um, in 1852. It was occupied by the British um, in 1824, and then the uh, pagoda was subsequently retaken and heavily fortified uh, by the Burmese in 1852. And then Tripe's own regiment um, had joined others in fierce fighting um, to recapture it in April um, 1852. Um, later, later that year. So Tripe knew that when he was taking this picture, this would be a picture that would resonate um, on many different levels uh, with uh, the directors of the East India Company, um, as would this um, rather extraordinary um, photograph of um, the Signal uh, Pagoda, um, also in Rangoon. This was um, a pagoda that was set high on a hill um, just outside of Rangoon, um, and it was apparently the first thing that sailors would see as they were sailing up the Irrawaddy River. And the British had outfitted it as a signal station to allow naval captains to reset their chronometers with the precision that they needed for accurate um, navigation. 
The British regarded this um, signal station as evidence of their civilizing influence on Rangoon, but to the Burmese, it obviously um, marked the desecration of, um, of a very sacred site. Tripe returned to his home base um, in Bangalore um, in December 1855, and he then set about the very complicated procedure um, or process of making portfolios of these photographs. He had shot more than 200 negatives during the five-month mission uh, to, to Burma, and the East India Company had asked him to make 50 copies of a portfolio that would have 120 original photographs in it. That's a total of 6,000 photographs, which at the time was almost unprecedented, um, and particularly in a country that was short on the even just the basic supplies that Tripe would need to make this work. Um, if one looks at Tripe's photographs, by the time he got to the final print, he, of course, had to develop the negative, um, retouch it to add all the clouds um, that he wanted and, and to take out other defects in the negative. Um, then he would have to make the prints. Making the prints was an extremely elaborate process because he had to also make the albumin paper itself, which, as you can see in the last room of the exhibition, was very labor-intensive. Um, so it was an immensely consuming, um, time-consuming process. He then, once he finally got the prints that he wanted, he would mount them um, on board um, and have letterpress titles put underneath them. One indication of how difficult it was for him to find to get the supplies that he needed to, to make this work is that all of the mount boards um, that, he, that he mounted the photographs onto are all different colors, and there's no rhyme or reason for why, um, why they are such different colors. Um, it's simply an indication that he couldn't get um, you know, all paper of the same color or enough paper of the same color uh, to complete his project, but had to use um, whatever he could. He set up a printing studio. He taught Native Indians how to um, make the prints for him. So in in that way, he helped to popularize photography um, and, uh, and spread it um, throughout, uh, throughout the country. He had a huge failure rate in making his prints. Um, he reported to the directors of the East India Company um, that at least initially when he started making the prints, he would have to throw away hundreds and hundreds of them. The directors of the East India Company at this time were quite forgiving in the expenses that Tripe was um, incurring, but others later on would, would not be so forgiving. In 1856, while Tripe was still in the midst of printing the Burma portfolio, um, he was appointed photographer to the Madras presidency, which was, which was the um, British administrative subdivision covering much of South India. This was one of the first times in the history of photography um, that a photographer was, uh, that the importance of photography was recognized um, by a government um, and where a photographer was given such, um, uh, such an honorary recognition. However, nobody gave Tripe a job description. 
He wasn't told what it meant to be the photographer um, of the Madras presidency. But with this extraordinary ambition that he had, um, he proposed that his work should be, um, and I'm quoting, the first attempt at illustrating in a complete and systematic manner the state of the country by means of photography. No small ambition there. <laughs> um, and with this great ambition um, and new legacy, um, or, or legitimacy, I should say, um, Tripe was also, though, um, free to choose um, the locations um, that he could photograph. He contacted many people throughout the East India Company to get recommendations on places um, that he could visit. He contacted historians, antiquarians, and others. Um, and in December 1857, he left his home base of Bangalore, um, traveled south to Madura, um, and then back north um, to, uh, to Madras. There we go. Um, although European artists um, had depicted the area earlier, Tripe was the first uh, to photograph extensively in South India. And with a history traceable back to the dawn of civilization, it was a place that was laced with sacred sites, including some of the, temple, some of the country's holiest temples um, to the gods, the Hindu gods of Shiva and Vishnu, um, as well as shrines, bathing places, and pilgrimage routes. And Tripe made very important records, um, very important photographs um, of these um, buildings, which would prove um, immensely helpful um, to scholars and historians at the time. And of course, um, uh, up to up to the present day, telling us what these places looked like then. But South India was also permeated with the effects of the British conquest and its efforts at civic improvement and the pervasive influence of the East India Company. Um, one um, sort of telling suite of photographs which demonstrate this um, are the photographs that, that Trite took at um, Rayakata. Um, there was a, a hill fort at Rayakata. Here we can see the view from the top of this hill fort. Um, the fort was situated um, on top of a massive rock formation um, that uh, was over 800 uh, uh, feet high. And in 1871, the British had captured um, this hill fort after fierce, fierce fighting. Um, and the fort was important to them because, it, of course, um, it commanded um, a, a major pass. But by the time Tripe photographed it 50 years later, the fort, which was once considered impregnable, um, had been abandoned um, and, and was overgrown. You can see here Tripe um, has um, photographed or has used light very dramatically um, to only illuminate the gateway that led up to um, uh, the, the top of the, um, of the fort. In the text that accompanies this photograph, um, uh, when it was printed um, in its final portfolio, um, a fellow officer from the East India Company reflected on the fierce battles that had occurred there, um, and he said that there were tales um, of troubled spirits heard nightly wailing around the rock. 
Um, Seringham and Trichinopoly were also the sites of ferocious battles in the mid-1700s, with the British fighting um, against the French, who, of course, had formed their own East India Company um, in 1664, um, and uh, their Indian allies. But again, these places um, were also locations of some of South India's um, most sacred temples, including um, the Great Pagoda here um, in Seringham. For this photograph, you can see how Tripe has placed his camera um, at the exact center of the north-south axis um, of the temple um, to depict one of a series of perfectly um, aligned gateways. Um, and on either side here, um, you can see um, thatched roofs, root, thatch-roofed houses um, and shops um, that were offering, um, that were selling offerings um, for the deities, um, such as uh, fruits um, and, and vegetables. Beginning in January 1858, Tripe spent um, almost two months um, photographing in and around um, Madura um, and nearby Trimium um, before leaving for Pudicata um, later in March. This area, too, had also been the site um, of, of, of many battles. Before he got to Madura, um, he photographed um, not only um, uh, other relig important religious shrines um, and temples, um, but topographical formations um, such as Elephant Rock here. Um, this was a rock that rose 250 feet above um, the flat plain just north of Madura, um, and it has a granite outline um, that is, resembles uh, the legendary elephant uh, slain by, by Shiva. Tripe made this photograph in the early morning. That's usually when he photographed um, because the, the streets around the temples and shrines would be less crowded then, um, so it was his normal working time. But by photographing in the early morning, he could get the raking light. And then by positioning um, his, his camera um, from a carefully chosen viewpoint um, behind the elephant rock, he could dramatically um, foreshorten the one-and-a-half-mile-long um, uh, formation so that it el emphasized uh, its elephantine appearance. Um, Tripe also photographed the approaches into Madura, um, such as this extraordinary picture um, of uh, the causeway leading into the city. Again, another picture that clearly seems to have been made by um, someone with an eye um, of a topographer, um, this extraordinary receding diagonal line. Um, note, too, the way Tripe has sort of set up these pillars so that they almost become like mute notes on a musical score leading um, our eye um, into, uh, into, the, into the background. Um, it's important also to note, though, that um, the, the, the importance um, of, of this place and the importance um, of, indeed, this, this causeway. For Hindus, uh, a sacred site is a, is a tirtha, literally a ford or um, a crossing place that allows one to pass from worldly engagement to transcendence. Um, and in Tripe's picture, the causeway um, leads us back to this great temple um, in the background, which was dedicated to um, the god Shiva um, and his consort. And Shiva is said to have 
created um, the Vaigay River, um, which here, um, like other rivers in South India, has dried up um, during uh, the, the hottest months. Another one of Tripe's um, photographs that shows his um, extraordinary innovations um, is this one of, um, of the Great Pagoda. Um, at the time, it was exceedingly difficult to get close enough to a building like this to even begin to show some of its detail um, without tilting one's camera up, um, causing converging parallel lines. So Tripe was one of the first photographers to use um, what had subsequently been called a camera, a view camera with a rising front, which would allow the lens board on the front of the camera to be tilted up um, while still keeping um, the lines in the picture um, perfectly, uh, perfectly parallel. Few other photographers um, at that point were using um, such devices. But surely one of Trite's most important um, and ambitious projects that he did um, uh, at this time was a massive um, scroll that he made depicting the inscriptions running around this temple. He photographed um, this area as it ran all the way around the temple to create a panorama um, of 21 exposures um, that was 19 feet long. Um, and we have that displayed in the exhibition. You can see See the, the striped lines here. Um, uh, his purpose in doing it was to record these inscriptions here um, at the base that run at the base of the building um, and that talk about um, uh, the, um, the construction um, of, uh, of the building itself. He felt that it was important to preserve that um, for future historians um, and antiquarians. It was an extremely labor-intensive and ambitious project because in order to line up the um, uh, 21 exposures, he had to make sure that his camera was perfectly level as he moved around uh, the pagoda, even though the land on which the uh, pagoda rested um, would dip and rise. Um, Tripe had to keep his camera at exactly the same point, and he had to try and make exposures um, that were um, somewhat similar in order to make um, a more seamless uh, whole. Tripe had always envisioned that his project um, uh, uh, as photographer of the Madras presidency would include photographing people. Um, as I said, it was difficult to photograph people on the street at that time unless they remained perfectly um, still and, and motionless. He did make a few pictures of posed um, people, um, such as this one that shows uh, a formal court um, ceremony where we have the Raja of the princely state of Pudakata seated beneath um, this great um, traditional uh, an elaborate um, canopy um, and on um, and on a throne. He's surrounded on either side by his principal advisors, and this is perhaps a little bit more clear when you see the photograph in the actual exhibition. 
the the Raja is seated beneath a traditional um, canopy and on a traditional throne, but his advisors are all seated on European-style chairs um, with European-style um, gas lighting um, and a chandelier. So it shows this sort of wonderful collision um, once again um, between uh, between cultures. Um, taking place in this in this single photograph, also seated here on the right, which again is more um, this person right there, um, more visible in the actual photograph in in the exhibition, um, is the British appointed Prime Minister of Pudicata, who was taking over more and more um, of the ruling authority um, from. Um, the Raja him, himself. Um, so thus, it's, it's recording not only this collision of, of cultures and artifacts, but also um, this, this collision um, of, of power. By the time um, Tripe arrived back in Madras in April uh, 1858, he'd made more than 290 large-scale negatives. And once again, he set about publishing portfolios of these photographs. He published a total of nine portfolios that had 17,745 prints in them. It, it made, it dwarfed the undertaking of, um, of the Burma por portfolio. Um, and in the end, it was really Tripe's undoing. It was so ambitious, so difficult um, to, um, uh, to complete um, that it took him from April um, of 1858 all the way to 1860 um, to finish it. And he, during this time, was getting more and more pleading letters um, from the Madras presidency about the expense um, of, of the project. In the end, Tripe's fate was inexplicable or inextricably, I should say, linked um, with that of the British Empire in India. In May 1857, following months of unrest, Indian soldiers um, in the Bengal army, sparked by religious and cultural intolerance, shot their British officers um, and marched on Delhi. Their rebellion encouraged others in a large section of northern and central India um, to join in the year-long revolt. And after it was quelled, the British government stripped the East India Company of its privileges and took over administration and rule of India. Tripe was far away from the uprising, and little evidence of it appears in his pictures, but those actions inaugurated um, a new era of oversight and regulation that very soon affected him. He, as the British government took over um, um, control of the Madras presidency, he no longer worked for the East India Company but for the British government, and they felt that the expense of producing his portfolios um, from South India was not something that they could justify anymore. And so in March of 1860, after hurriedly completing the last portfolio, he was forced to shut down 
down his studio um, as a result of these cost-cutting measures. He was so discouraged uh, that his work was no longer appreciated that he all but abandoned photography at the age of 38. More than that, it had such an effect on his health that by the end of 1860, he was granted a medical leave, and he went back to England to recover for three years. He came back to India in 1863, and he made a few photographs between 1869 and 1862, but they were just for of a personal nature, um, pictures of where he had been, no great pictures such as this. He retired from the um, British Army um, in 1873, and he went back to his hometown um, of Devonport in England and died in 1902, all but forgotten. Um, and his work was really not um, resurrected, as it were, until the 1970s, um, when photographic historians began to see examples of it in the British Library, um, at what's now called the National Media Museum in London, excuse me, in Bradford, England, um, and elsewhere. Um, and one of Tripe's distant descendants uh, in 2003 published a catalog resume on Tripe's work, which marked the sort of resurrection um, of Tripe um, and his important photographs that he had made in India. And this exhibition that we have here in Washington is the first traveling exhibition um, of his work. Um, and I hope you agree after you see it um, that it does demonstrate that Tripe deserves to be recognized not only um, for his amusing name, um, but also his extraordinary pictures. Um, thank you. I'd be happy to answer any questions up here afterwards or sign copies of the catalog if, if you would like. Thank you very much. This has been a National Gallery of Art podcast. Thank you.